That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Out now from Dread, the lake. In this eco-thriller, a gigantic and bloodthirsty monster emerges from a lake after its egg is stolen and unleashes its fury on a town's inhabitants, leaving a trail of destruction and death in its wake. The town of Buencan, now cut off from the outside world, must mobilize its officials and citizens, as well as a group of scientists who are in town conducting research, to catch this predator before it's too late. The Lake is out now on digital. This episode is sponsored by Gravitas Ventures' new horror film, Rebroken, starring Tobin Bell of the Saw franchise and Scott Ham Duenas. A grieving father begins to receive messages from his deceased daughter. Can he bring her back, or is there something more sinister at play? Watch the new thriller, Rebroken, now on digital. From Nice Guy Productions overlooking the glamorous San Fernando Valley, I'm Mick Garris, and this is the fun-size edition of Postmortem AMA, where you can ask me anything, and asking your questions on your behalf is none other than Producer Joe Russo. Producer Joe, how are you on this rainy L.A. day? I am doing well, Mick. Uh, You know, the Oscars were this weekend by the time people hear this. Yeah. And I just want to congratulate Friends of Postmortem on their wins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Daniels, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Jamie Lee Curtis, Guillermo del Toro, and we haven't had him on the show yet, but hopefully down the road, Kihi Kwan. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I, I, I did the... Uh, the I did work on the making of Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, where I interviewed Key way back when. So I feel so pretty safe in connection. those predictions, but you know, I could be eating crow by the time yeah. uh, this airs. But we are letting everybody know that we are recording this two days before the Oscars. So Joe is prescient and I'm sure he's right. And we <laughs> love having had the Daniels and Jamie on the show uh, before. And Guillermo. Uh, and Guillermo. We're yeah. hoping that he has an Oscar win as well, and it's a pretty safe bet. But um, you never feel know. About we may look, we may look really stupid come Wednesday. <laughs> the Oscars are good at making people who make predictions look stupid. So And, and uh, making themselves look stupid, but that's, that's another story. It's another story for another day. Uh, Mick, would you like to do some questions? Nothing I'd like more since I'm here to do that very thing. <laughs> All right. Matthew Fagiani asks, do zombies walk or run? Well, if you watch movies, they do both. I mean... <laughs> but I think he means, what is your preference? No, I understand that. The funny thing about zombies is if they walk, you can outrun them. There was a joke I 
gave to Stephen King and he ended up putting it in one of his books. It was about the mummy. And the joke was, here comes the mummy. We'd better walk a little faster. So <laughs> it could easily be exchanged with, here comes the zombie. We'd better walk a little faster. Until sure, but zombies have one thing over mummy, the mummy, which is there's they are more, carnivorous. Well, well, there's more than one of them. I mean, that's that's when that's when zombies get you. When when and I think that's why there's such a great societal allegory, right? Is yeah, that's great. And it is but the original zombies, if you go back to Night of the Living Dead, yes, they do come in groups, but they also attack one by one. But it yes. was, you know, Danny Boyle in 28 Days Later, he brought the fast zombies into existence. And I thought it was great. Yeah. I love the movie uh, and I love the concept. Why shouldn't they be able to? Well, because they're atrophied and their muscles would not work if we're going to talk about uh, biology and physics. But <laughs> in the case of drama and terror and suspense, I love that change of course. So I, I can go either way. I, I think it depends on the story and they can both be really effective. Yep. And, you know, I think the zombie subgenre is probably the most overused subgenre in the horror field and uh, the only thing that could could uh, make it worse would be to have a found footage zombie movie but uh, well that's not true you liked the found footage zombie i movie. know I, well some <laughs> of anyway. oh, producer uh producer chris our, our post producer suggested flying zombies now that that's uh <laughs> that 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 would be a twist that would be a twist it uh -huh. would be but only if humans <laughs> had wings all right. Uh, well, speaking of uh, tired subgenres and horror, Man of Horror writes, what do you guys think about versus movies like Freddy versus Jason, Alien versus Predator, Godzilla versus Kong? Do you think they are anything more than just an easy box office bait or can they actually add to a franchise? Well, they rarely add to a franchise. <laughs> it can be done, but you know, this was this was first done with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman back That's in the forties, right. um, and that was a perfectly valid movie that was a lot of fun. But of course, it was done entirely for commercial purposes by people who were not passionate about Frankenstein and the Wolfman. They were passionate about making, making money. money. <clears throat> so I think it can work well. You know, whether it's Kong and Godzilla. Uh, or Godzilla versus Kong in the most recent uh, version. Yes. Um, if you can make a case for the story being told and do it well, then more power to you. You know, Adam did it well, and it became yeah. a big hit, and uh, and we love that. Um, and I have I have a big soft spot for Freddy versus Jason. I think that movie is a ton of fun. Um, you know, and and I think Alien versus Predator was something people wanted to see a long time for a long time. You know. Uh, I, but mostly they are done for commercial purposes. Oh, of course, every movie is ultimately made for commercial purposes, though. Yeah, you know? that, uh, that's true. But in this case, it's a little more crass than most. Yeah, but I think if you get people who genuinely love the material, you know, like uh, the guys who made Freddy versus Jason and, and you know, Adam, who did Godzilla versus Kong, which is a great postmortem episode in our library. You should go check that's it out. Right. Shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I think it can rise above. I mean, he Adam really put a lot of thought and care into, uh, you know, especially Kong. Like he really gave Kong like a distinctive personality in that movie. And 
you know, I, I think added to both franchises and made them viable again. You know, that, yeah. that well, a good movie's a good movie and a bad movie's a bad movie. And the the reasoning for making any movie, of course, is to make a profit on it, but you also want to make a movie that you can be proud of and stands alone. And you know, I must I must confess I've never seen Freddy versus Jason. Oh my so, gosh. Oh yeah. Man. Oh. oh, we might have to have a movie night soon. Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> All right. Franchise meets franchise is always uh, Nick's favorite. I, I will tell you, I yeah. genuinely do find that movie to be very amusing. Great. Uh, and and it's it's a great great Robert England turn. Um, so I would expect uh, nothing less. Yes. Um, Woody Wood Pickle asks <laughs> oh he's back <laughs> he's back are screenplays made available for awards consideration and if not how are people able to judge a script they haven't read also if scripts are submitted which version do they send the latest draft or the best draft uh that's a very good question and it's got two answers or at least a couple um, answers. they do send out scripts for some movies, not yes. all of them. And when they do, um, I, I prefer when they do it digitally. So we're not adding to Prince the language, yeah. mm -hmm. which they do a lot of. Um, it's usually the shooting script. It basically matches the movie. Uh, so I've heard some interesting things about this. Um, well, one The ones that yeah. the studios sent out. Yes. Are usually they've gone through continuity and and they yeah, they, match they, the movie. they make the script match the final product of the movie. They're not always the shooting scripts. Um, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The continuity is matched up, so yes. that's it's a, so. But an awful lot of them don't send it out. So you just have to judge the quality of the writing by the final product. Right. And there are a lot of people who get involved in that. And as you and I both know, there are a lot of rewriters involved in the uh, mm -hmm. chain of credits for, for writing some credited, some not. And there are a lot of rules that the Writers Guild has about that. There's also input by the actors. A lot of actors will add or change dialogue tremendously yeah. to to suit their characteristics and their personalities. The directors often get involved as you know, as a writing director myself. I would certainly do a polish before I would shoot anything. Um, so uh, there are several answers, but but mainly, often the studios will send it out. Um, but more often than not, you just have to judge from the final product. Yeah, usually it's, um, you know, as as award season kind of starts to hit its uh, peak towards the, the end of the year, the studios get a pretty good sense about which movies are likely going to win screenplay awards and, and they mobilize and they send out either hard copies or they send out the, the digital copies and they go through and they clean them up and make them look pretty. And do you, you know, read them, Joe? I, I don't because, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't typically find them helpful. Uh, I, I, I think like, you know, I think they're a great resource if you don't have access to any screenplays and you just want to read a screenplay and kind of see how it's formatted and what it looks like and how it's written. Um, but I find it would be much more helpful if they released the draft of a script that sold, you know, that's, or, that's a good idea. I, I agree with you. I don't read 
the scripts generally. Yeah. The movie has to represent. Right. And um, as a writer myself, I know that may seem like heresy to say that. <laughs> but but think, the, the movie think... represents, especially if it's up for awards, you can only vote on the final movie, not on the elements that led to it being what it is. Right. And I think, but I think it's, it's sometimes it's more than just what's on the page, right? It's, I mean, it's, well, I mean, it, it, it's all on the page, but I mean, like you're taking into consideration, not just the way it's written, like sentence to sentence, you're taking in the, the characters and how they're portrayed and their interactions and the dialogue and the structure and the pacing. Right. The concept, and, all of these things. Yeah. All of this goes in the stew of judging a screenplay. And I think you can get a sense of those things watching the final product. Right. Um, you don't necessarily have to sit down and, and read 20 screenplays so that you can vote on them. Uh, I think, you you know, I, I, I know watching everything everywhere all at once, which is the thing that, I voted on in the WGA awards um, as you know, I did. Yeah. And, and, but like, I, I knew watching that movie, it had so much imagination. It had such great conflict. It had such great uh, structure and emotional resonance. And like, those are the, that's why I felt it was the best written movie. There were more movie. good ideas in that movie than all of the other movies that are up for best picture uh, combined in my humble estimation. I, uh, we rarely give opinion here on this yeah. show. I would also argue that uh, that's why it won best picture. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're going to look so dumb uh, if, it, <laughs> if that's not how it comes out. Oh boy. If all I the old so guard in the Academy. I'm, vote. I'm putting, I'm putting my money on it. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's in my pool. So we'll, I'll, you know, when we do the next AMA, we'll have to see if I'm crying or not. Yeah. Uh, and that that said, there's a lot of good movies out this year. But if you can track down those award scripts and, and you are looking for scripts to read, I think they're a great resource and you should Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a it's a, a very um, fertile uh, group of of movies to choose from this year. Yeah. And, and but just remember when you're reading it. It has been edited for content. It is not the original. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's basically I had experience doing this um, when I was working at Star Wars. Ah. I took the scripts and the movie and did a continuity because they were going to publish the script for Star Wars. The art oh my of gosh. the book was the art of Star Wars, and my job was to take go through the movie and the movie's continuity and the shooting script and align them. So, because there were scenes that were lost, there were scenes that were changed, order changed, dialogue changed, all those things. Wow. And so I put it into a continuity form that wow. was publishable. And it was part of that book that was edited by Carol Wakarska um, called The Art of Star Wars. Now this is a scoop, ladies and gentlemen. This That's right, is, I've never talked new... about that. I, this is a new thing that I have never heard before from Mix. So this no, is I've never talked stupid. about. You heard it right here on Postmortem AMA. <laughs> uh, this is why you shouldn't skip the interstitial episodes. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, director Neil Johnson asks: Is there a story or scene that you considered doing that you had to abandon because it might not be taken the right way by the audience? Um, not really. You know, if it's like an episode of a TV series that I've been hired on to, they've already had those fights. Um, if it's something of my own, if it's 
often it's already been written by Stephen King or by, you know, other screenwriters. If it's something of my own, I fight for it. And usually something will end up on the editing room floor, mainly because the flow doesn't work properly, but rarely because I'm afraid it's going to be taken wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had to do on uh, when I was working with Netflix, uh, there was a lot of, you know, they're a big company and they're an easy targets and they're very concerned about being perceived a certain way. So there was definitely some scenes that they were concerned about uh, that were rearranged and changed for uh, from, from the original draft of the script that we sold them to the production drafts. Uh, so it definitely is the thing though, that I think the studios are thinking about, especially in a world that is, uh, it's a nice way to say it, sensitive. Sensitive. Yeah. sensitive. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and, and I'm working on a couple of projects now that may well face that. Um, but so far, uh, you know, I haven't done anything under under this atmosphere, this creative, creatively pressurized atmosphere where um, everybody is afraid of offending. Yeah. And everybody is looking to be offended so that they can have their voice heard. Yes. So yeah, it's, a, it's, a fun, so we'll it's a perfect greeting ground for uh, creativity. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh. Even in All the right. independent world, which is interesting. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, even on on uh, the Ryan Phillippe thriller that we just had, I mean, there was some scenes that that we wrote that, you know, when it got rewritten, were were edited for content. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. There was and for airplane stuff. travel. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, all right. Sarah asks, "Do you?" purposefully try to reflect psychology mental health within your horror movies i know you didn't direct it but this weed at egress is a great depiction of someone dealing with depression for example yeah well she's talking about david slade's episode in the nightmare cinema feature that he did which was very much about the disintegration of a, of a woman's mind mental facilities um yeah very much so i think it's important that you ground anything in psychology that makes sense, but especially in the world of horror, if it's not about the, the workings of the human mind, then it's just a slasher film and it's just a, um, you know, splattering viscera to get a reaction. But an example for me was doing The Shining, the miniseries of The Shining. You know, that book is about the descent of Jack Torrance you know, his mental descent and, and losing control um, sure. and, and fighting what is trying to take him over. And we tried to, you know, I did a lot of reading about those circumstances and, uh, and the sense of guilt and responsibility. His character un, in a drunken rage broke his little boy's arm. And, you know, that motivates a lot that goes on in that story, in the book and in the miniseries and in the movie. And so, yeah, I think if you don't try and, and look into the psychological workings of all of the characters, then you're just going to have something very superficial that will not last very long. I, uh, I, I think that's a perfect example. Um, and I know that, um, you know, This Way to Egress was, was a really personal piece for David. And, uh, 
I think she, Sarah, I think you you got exactly what he was going for with it. Um, so I and think the, the short story it was based on by Lawrence Connolly, who co-wrote the script for that. That's you know, right. the, the two of them really had a, a very perceptive view into the human mind. And a distinctive vision, one that, that they were trying to get made for a long, long time. And I was really, really happy to have played a small part in helping them realize it. Yeah, it was really great. Absolutely. All right. Last question. Friend of the podcast, Demir, who is almost caught up on his pizza debts, asks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder who I... those could be, too. Yeah, he's, he made some bad bets. and He still owes me pizza. Uh, <laughs> but he did pay up some. Uh, should I focus my time writing a script, directing a short, or directing a low-budget feature? Well, that's a really good question, and it depends on the resources you have. You should do whatever you don't have to make excuses for. You know, making a low-budget movie, if it can't compete with an actual theatrical release, you're going to have to make excuses for it. You can write a script and it doesn't matter what the budget is. It doesn't matter who the actors are, any of that. You can impress on the page. But if you are limited to actors from your neighborhood, people you know, your buddies who are pretty good at that, um, uh, or you go to a film school and you're able to get actors from that, or crew members, if, if you don't have the resources to make something of professional quality, I would say go for the script. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great advice. It's it's a such a good way to put it too. I mean, you know, when when he posed this question to me as well, I my initial reaction was, well, they can all have like really different results for your career, you know, like a short might get you the chance at turning that short into a feature with someone, you know, uh, a feature, you know, might have a nice run on a, a film festival circuit and maybe it gets you some attention to try to do your next thing. But like, ultimately I always try to tell people to write as well, not just from a execution standpoint, but I think it gives you the most options. Like it, it, it can put you in front of agents and managers it can put you in front of producers. It can put you in front of studio execs. Yeah. Films can too, but whatever you can blow them away with the most. If right. you have a great cast and a great crew and great uh, visual effects abilities, capabilities within your purview, yeah. and you can make a movie that competes with what's on the big screen or what's on Netflix or what's on wherever, um, whatever you can do that will blow people away the most. And in most cases, that's going to be writing a script because you don't have the limitations that are put into an actual production. Yeah, making short films and, and making features is expensive. And, uh, and, and also having access to people who can execute the vision in a way where it really can compete. Yeah, I think Nick's exactly right. Talent uh, counts, yeah. Yep. So there you go, Demir. Pick the one that uh, will will uh, yield your best work. And uh, when you make all the money from it, you can pay me back all the pizzas you owe me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one at a time, Joe. One, one at a time. That's right. Uh, all right, Mick. Well, uh, happy, you know, Oscar weekend. And uh, and to you. And, and we congratulate 
in advance all of the winners and hopefully the ones who've been friends of the podcast. And I would also like to thank everybody for their very kind uh, responses uh, on Apple Podcasts and everything, giving their reviews and their ratings and all. And we would love for you to continue doing that. It really helps us a lot. That's right. Uh, Mick, should we tell them where they can send more questions? Would you please? I will. Uh, <laughs> they can send them via email to askmickanything at gmail.com. And they can send them to us on the social media platforms uh, at Mick Garris PM on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, or you can send them to me at Joe Russo tweets and at Joe Russo Graham on Twitter and Instagram, respectively. All right. Thanks, Joe. And thanks, everybody, for all the questions. Thank you, Mick. Thank you for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every Wednesday or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Postmortem with Mick Garris is produced by Mick Garris and Joe Russo. Our sound engineer is Christopher Leon Price. Our announcer is Jeff Gelb. Our graphic designer is John Holland. And our theme was composed and performed by Bill Burney with additional music by John Jasensky. If you're enjoying our show, please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.